read through verse 17. We'll make a few comments here. Then we'll turn to several other places in the Bible this morning. All one principle, all one thought, all one point. Um, Accounts from the Old Testament take some information from the law in Deuteronomy. We're going to trace it several places. Show you a Bible principle. And then we're going to turn to the New Testament and get the application that's there for us. And hope that you pay attention and just really sink, uh, let the point of the lesson this morning sink into your hearts. And trust the Lord will help you with it. And uh, God will teach us something this morning. First Chronicles chapter 14 and verse number 8. When the Philistines heard that David was anointed king over all Israel, all the Philistines went up to seek David. And David heard of it and went out against them. The the, the nemesis of Israel, the enemies of Israel from the time they show up in the Bible uh, onward, the Philistines and Israel, they're fighting against one another. David's king, the Philistines, going to come against David. Verse number 9, the Philistines came and spread themselves in the valley of Rephaim, and David inquired of God, saying, Shall I go up against the Philistines, and wilt thou deliver them into mine hand? And the Lord said unto him, Go up. For I will deliver them into thine hand. Now David sets a great example here. He sets a great precedent here. Every right decision of David's life, when David was walking with God, when David was walking by faith, when David was the victorious king of Israel, he took everything to God in prayer. He was presented with a problem. It was a big problem. There were real enemies going to fight a real battle trying to take real lives, and David went to God and said, what do I do? Should I go up and fight? If I go up and fight, will you give me the victory? And God answered his prayer. It doesn't exactly work like this now. We don't have an ephod. We don't have a urim. We don't have a thummim. We do have a Bible. And the Bible says, the entrance of thy words giveth light, giveth understanding of the simple. The Bible says, order my steps in thy word. Let not iniquity have any dominion over me. Thy word is a lamp to my feet and a light to my path. And so we can get direction from God from his word. But in this case, David prays, do I go up and fight? Will you deliver them in my hand? God says, yes, I will. Verse number 11. So they came up to Baal, Perizim, and David smote them there. Then David said, God hath broken in upon mine enemies by mine hand, like the breaking forth of waters. Therefore, they called the name of that place Baal, Perizim. Now, wouldn't that be great? If before you went into battle, you were promised by God that when you go to battle, you're going to win the battle. He was able to go out in battle with confidence because he had a promise from God that he was assured that he would have the victory. God, do I go? Do I fight? Will I win? Yes, go and fight. You'll win. He goes and he fights and he wins. Wouldn't it be great if everything in life We're like that. God, how is this going to turn out? And the Lord told him, it's going to turn out with you on top. Now, verse number 12, it continues. When they had left their gods there, what's the Israelite army doing with gods? Little g. This sin of idolatry plagued them throughout their history. Remember Joshua in Joshua 24? Choose you this day whom you will serve. The gods of Egypt, the gods of the Amorites, or the real God, the true God that delivered you and brought you into this land. And they said, oh, we want to serve the Lord. And Joshua said, you can't. Oh, yeah, we really, really want to. We want to serve God. We're going to serve God. Great. Then put away the strange gods which are among you. 
They came from Egypt into Canaan by the power of God carrying idols. They danced around a golden calf at the base of Mount Sinai. Moses broke the Ten Commandments. Not, not broke the commandments. He broke the tablets on which were recorded the Ten Commandments. He, he, he ground that idol to powder, made them drink it. And yet, even after that, they still have gods. I wonder about us. All that God's done for us. All the light God's given us. All the truth God's given us. All the prayers God answered. All the, the salvation that's eternal. And yet, there are things in our lives and things in our hearts that we still hold more dear than Him. That we still uh, hold more important than Him. That, that, that get priority in our lives over God and His Word and His service. What are they doing with God's? And yet, look at the grace of God. He, had, he just gave them victory. And so they got rid of the gods. It was a good thing. They did in verse number 12, and they left their gods there. David gave commandment. They were burned with fire. That's what we need to do with idols. And the Philistines yet again spread themselves abroad the valley. Therefore, David inquired again of God, and God said to him, Go not up after them, turn away from them, come upon them over against the mulberry trees. I've got a different tactic for you to use this time. The battle plan is we're going to adjust it a little bit. We've got a different strategy with which to approach this fight. In verse 15, it shall be when thou shalt hear a sound of going in the tops of the mulberry trees. Brother James says mulberry trees. I'm going to out to this property. It's in the mulberry trees. That then thou shalt go out to battle. For God has gone forth before thee to smite the host of the Philistines. David therefore did as God commanded him. And they smote the host of the Philistines from Gibeon even to Gezer. And the fame of David went out into all lands. And the Lord brought the fear of him upon all nations. Very simple principle. David had a promise from God that when he went to battle, he would win the battle. All that David had to do was obey. When God said go out to fight them, David had to go out and fight them. When God said you're going to win, he won. When God said this time I want you to go fight, but I want you to take a different approach. I want to use a different tactic. I want you to wait till you hear the sound of the going to the top of the mulberry trees. And then I'm going to... Give you the victory. If David had gone before the sound came, he would have lost. But David obeyed, and God gave him the victory. Now, 2 Chronicles chapter 20, a similar passage, and there are many. 2 Chronicles chapter 20, and this, this means something to us. We'll get there in a minute. 2 Chronicles chapter 20 and verse number 14. 2 Chronicles 20, 14. Then upon Jehaziel, the son of Zechariah, the son of Benaiah, the son of Jael, the son of Mattaniah, Levi, to the sons of Asaph, came the Spirit of the Lord amidst the congregation, and he said, Hearken ye all, Judah, and ye inhabitants of Jerusalem, thou King Jehoshaphat, thus saith the Lord unto you, be not afraid nor dismayed by reason of this great multitude, for the battle is not yours, but God's. So Jehoshaphat and Judah, they've been invaded by Moab, and there is a great multitude that has surrounded them and is threatening them and is opposing them. They are enemies that are that are going to cause great harm to God's people but the prophet says and comes and says don't be afraid the battle is not yours but God's verse number 16 tomorrow go ye down against them behold they come up by the cliff of Ziz now put the end of verse 15 and the beginning of verse 16 together very important the battle is not yours but God's that is God is going to fight this battle 
God is going to grant the victory. But they didn't just get to sit back in the palace and eat grapes and wait for God to wipe them out. In verse number 16, tomorrow go ye down against them. So the battle is God's. God is going to grant the victory, but they still had to go out and show up on the battlefield. Does does that make sense? Verse 16, behold, they come up by the cliff of Ziz, find them at the end of the brook before the wilderness of Jeruel. Ye shall not need to fight in this battle. Okay, so they didn't have to fight, but they didn't have to show up. You shall not need to fight in this battle. Set yourselves, stand ye still, and see the salvation of the Lord with you, O Judah and Jerusalem. Fear not, nor be dismayed. Tomorrow go out against them, for the Lord will be with you. And Joshua bowed his head with his face to the ground. And all Judah and the Adams of Jerusalem fell before the Lord, worshiping the Lord. And the Levites and the children of the Kohathites and the children of the Korites stood up to praise the Lord God of Israel with a loud voice and eye. They're thanking God for the victory before he's even granted it. Because when God promises something, it's as good as done. Here are the instructions. I'm going to fight. You're going to watch me do this. But you've got to go out to the battle. Verse number 20. They rose up early in the morning. And went forth in the wilderness to Tekoa. And as they went forth, Joshua stood and said, Hear me, O Judea, and Abba's Jerusalem. Believe in the Lord your God, so shall ye be established. Believe his prophets, so shall ye prosper. When he had consulted with the people, he appointed singers of the Lord that should praise the beauty of holiness. As they went out before the army and to say, Praise the Lord for his mercy endureth forever. And they began to sing and praise. The Lord set ambushments against the children of Ammon, Moab, and Mount Seir which were come against Judah, and they were smitten. For the children of Ammon and Moab stood up against the inhabitants of Mount Seir, utterly slay and destroy them. And when they had made an end of the inhabitants of Seir, everyone helped to destroy another. When Judah came toward the watchtower in the wilderness, they looked in the multitude. Behold, they were dead bodies fallen the earth, and none escaped. When Joshua and his people came to take away the spoil, and then they found among them in abundance both riches with the dead bodies and precious jewels, which they stripped off for themselves more than they could carry away. And they were three days gathering the spoil. It was so much. Now that's a nice way to be able to fight. To go out to the battle and watch God make your enemies lose their mind so that they begin to destroy one another. Okay? God said, I want you to go. When you go, I'm going to fight for you. I'm going to give the victory. Stand still and see the foundation of the Lord. But when they, they had to get to the battlefield first. They couldn't stay back in the city and see the salvation of the Lord. They had to be obedient and go out to the place of battle. And there they saw the salvation of the Lord. Now, those are a couple of examples of something that was promised back in Deuteronomy. Let's look at the promise. Deuteronomy chapter 1. Deuteronomy chapter 1 and verse number 29. Deuteronomy 1 and verse 29. There was confidence in First Corinthians in First Chronicles fourteen. There was rejoicing and worship and praise in Second Chronicles twenty because a God who had given His word and assured the people of victory. Deuteronomy one and verse number twenty nine. Then I said unto you, Dread not, neither be afraid of them. Moses is recounting his word to the children of Israel upon their exodus from Egypt and entrance into the promised land. Verse number thirty. The Lord your God, which goeth before you, He shall fight for you. According to all that he did for you in Egypt, according to all that he did for you in Egypt before your eyes, and in the wilderness where thou hast seen how that the Lord thy God bare thee as a man doth bear his son, and all the way that ye, bear, uh, that, that ye went until ye came to this place, yet in this thing ye did not believe the Lord your God. So God brought 
wonders in Egypt, brought plagues on Egypt, signs and miracles in Egypt. He delivered them from Egypt and their bondage and their slavery with a strong arm, with a high hand, and he brought them out and he, he, he brought them across the Red Sea and he fed them with manna and he brought water out of a rock and miracle after miracle as they wandered around their wilderness and then bringing them to the edge of the promised land and he made the walls of Jericho fall down flat. God said, Look at what I've done for you. I'm promising I will continue to fight for you. But the problem was they just didn't believe him. Look at chapter 3, verse number 21. Deuteronomy 3, verse number 21. I commanded Joshua at that time, saying, Thine eyes have seen all that the Lord your God hath done unto these two kings. So shall the Lord do unto all the kingdoms, whither thou passest. Ye shall not fear them, for the Lord your God, he shall fight for you. Look at chapter 20 of Deuteronomy. Deuteronomy chapter 20 and verse number 1. Promised in Deuteronomy 1, promised in Deuteronomy 3, God will fight for you. Where are we going with all this? You'll see very clearly, I hope, very soon. Deuteronomy chapter 20, verse number 1. When thou goest out to battle against thine enemies and seest horses... And chariots and a people more than thou, be not afraid of them, for the Lord thy God is with thee, which brought thee up out of the land of Egypt. And it shall be when ye are come nigh into the battle, the priest shall approach and speak unto the people, and shall say to them, Hear, O Israel, ye approach this day into battle against your enemies. Let not your hearts faint, neither fear not. Do not tremble, neither be ye terrified because of them, for the Lord your God is he that goeth with you to fight for you against your enemies to save you. Okay? Now, David experienced this. Jehoshaphat experienced this. There are other examples throughout the Old Testament that we could read. God had promised, when you go to Canaan, I will send hornets before you to drive out the inhabitants of the land. But it was all conditioned on the people who received the promise being obedient to do whatever it was that God told them to do as relates to the battle. If he says, march around the city seven times, and then shout the seventh time, and the walls will fall down flat. Had they carried any other battle plan to Jericho, they would have failed miserably. When they obeyed the Lord, God gave the victory. Now, Israel, physical people, physical promises, physical blessings, physical battles, physical foes. The Bible says we wrestle not against flesh and blood. The Bible says the weapons of our warfare are not carnal. But the same principle that we find here in the Old Testament definitely applies to the battles that we face and the foes that we fight and the enemies that come up against us in our lives and the promise God has given us as pertained to, the, to that fight. We have a promise that God will give victory. It doesn't mean we don't have to show up. It doesn't mean we get to sit back and just enjoy God doing it all. When we go and do what God said to do, God will do what he promised he will do. And so we do have a fight against the world and the flesh and the devil. We do have one part of us, the new man that wants to do right, and one part of us, the old man that wants to serve sin, and, and these are contrary to the one or the other, and every day there's a fight, but we carry into that fight a promise from God 
that he will grant the victory. We're not dependent on our own strength. We're not dependent on our own power. We can go with the confidence that David went with because the same God that promised I will fight for you promised us that he would fight for us. Let's, let's trace those passages through the New Testament. Come with me to 1 Corinthians chapter 15. What I, what, what I want to show you this morning is that we can have some confidence in the battles that we face because we have promises from God that guarantee victory if we are simply willing to follow His instructions. I'm not saying there is no fight. There is a fight. I'm not saying the fight is not real. The struggle is not real. The foes are not uh, monumental. However, I think many times we overestimate the power of our enemy and we underestimate the power of the God who is in us and works through us to give us victory. Look at this in 1 Corinthians chapter 15. The Bible says in verse number 57, But thanks be to God which giveth. Notice the tense of the verb. This is not something that's waiting for a fulfillment in the future. Giveth. That is present, that is present perfect tense. It is ongoing and continual. God giveth us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. What kind of victory? Well, ultimately, verse number 54, corruptible should put on incorruption, mortal should put on immortality. Should be brought to pass saying that's written, death swallowed in victory. Oh, but, but, but look at this. Oh, death worse thy sting, great worse thy victory. The sting of death is sin. Strength of sin is in the law. Thanks be to God which give us the victory. Yes, over death one day. Yes, over hell one day. Yes, over the grave one day. But today, thanks be to God which giveth us the victory over sin. You don't have to sin. You don't have to be in bondage to sin. You don't have to obey the lusts of your flesh. I'll show you the verse in a second. Greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. We can carry some confidence into the battle that we fight on a daily basis because God has promised us victory. Now, here's what we have to do. Verse 58, Therefore, my beloved brethren, be steadfast, immovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord, for as much as you know that your labor is not in vain in the Lord. Turn to 1 John chapter 4. Let me show you the verse that I just mentioned. 1 John chapter 4. Verse number four. We just need to think biblically about this. We need to be renewed in the spirit of our minds. First John chapter four and verse four. The Bible says, Ye are of God little children and have overcome them because greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. The Bible says, if you're saved, that Jesus Christ lives inside of you. In John 8, 29, he did always those things that please the Father. So you, in your daily life, moment by moment, you are fully capable of living in such a way as to be pleasing to God because the one who's inside of you always pleases God. That's what Hebrews chapter 13, verses 20 and 21 say. Jesus Christ is in you to make you perfect in every good work, doing that which is well-pleasing unto God through the power that's in Him. Now, what we have to do, we have to yield to Him. 
We have to obey Him. We simply have to submit to Him. And I'm not saying that that is necessarily without its difficulty. What I am saying is that it's a very simple principle. If I will walk in obedience to God, then God will give me victory. If I will submit myself to the instructions that God gave in His Word, God will give me boldness. God will give me the fullness of the Spirit. God will give me victory over temptation. God will give me victory over my personality. God will give me victory over my habits. God will give me victory over my lusts. God will give me victory over my thoughts. There is no battle that a Christian is not able to win when we're simply following the instructions God gave us in His Word. Just like He promised the Israelites, He promised us, I'll fight for you. You can go out to the Philistines and know that you're going to win. I'm promising it. Now just go show up and do what I said. Okay? Look at Hebrews chapter 2. Hebrews chapter 2. Verse number 18. Hebrews chapter 2, verse number 18. <clears throat> Hebrews 2, 18. For that he himself hath suffered being tempted, he is able, as Jesus Christ, to succor them that are tempted. Remember that word, succor. He is able to run swiftly to the aid of. He is able to get there in a hurry and help you. He's been tempted and he won every single time. And he's the one that has promised his help in our moment of temptation. Look at chapter 4, Hebrews 4, verse number 15. We have not an high priest which cannot be touched with the finger of our infirmities, but was in all points tempted like as we are, yet without sin. Whatever temptation we face, Jesus faced it. Whatever temptation we succumb to, Jesus overcame it. And the power that works in us is the power of one who defeated every temptation. So on one hand, we have no excuse. It is entirely our fault every time we do that which is displeasing God. But on the other hand, we can have a level of confidence like what Paul expressed in Philippians 4.13. I can do all things through Christ which strengtheneth me. Look at 1 Corinthians chapter 10. 1 Corinthians chapter 10. I just want you to think of these verses in light of the passages we read in the Old Testament. 1 Corinthians chapter 10 verse number 13. 1 Corinthians 10, 13. There is no temptation taken you, but such as is common to man. But God is faithful, who will not suffer you to be tempted above that you are able. But with the temptation also make a way to escape, that ye may be able to bear it. There's our promise. There will be a way out. You don't have to sin. You can resist. You can endure. You can submit yourselves to God, and the devil will flee from you. It's so like David had a guarantee of victory before he ever went out to battle. Just like Joshphat was told, stand still and see the salvation of the Lord. We are promised there would be a way to escape. We are promised we would be able to bear it. So think about in your life right now, what are your temptations? What are your struggles? What are your battles? What are the things that you face on a daily basis where you're not experiencing the victory that you ought to have in your Christian life, whatever area that is, God has promised you victory. 
in that specific area, the only thing that is lacking is our obedience to the instructions that He left us, whatever they are. Okay? Look at 1 Peter chapter 2 and verse number 9. 1 Peter chapter 2 and verse number 9. The Bible says this. I'm sorry, I wanted 2 Peter 2. I put 1 Peter in the notes, but I want 2 Peter chapter 2 and verse 9. For the Lord knoweth how to deliver the godly out of temptations and reserve the unjust under the day of judgment to be punished. Okay, Lot was a wicked man, vexed himself, filthy conversation with the wicked. He, he, he did not follow the instructions he was given. He put himself in a bad situation. He vexed his righteous soul. And so God wants us to saturate our mind with his word. To, to, to let truth come in through our ears. To guard and protect our hearts. And to get the victory that he promised us. <clears throat> Again, the principle is this. God promises the victory, but you can't just sit back on your rear end and wait for God to fulfill the promise. The fulfillment of the promise comes when you step out in obedience to what he said. He told the Israelites, go to the battle and I'll fight once you get there. If God had told David, I'm going to give you victory of the Philistines, and David just sat back in the palace, guess what would have happened? He would have not received victory of the Philistines. They would have came in and destroyed him. God told Joshua, I want you to stand still and see the salvation of the Lord. But, but you've got to stand still there. You've got to go there so that I can do what I said I'm going to do. And it's the same way with us. God has promised us to fill us with the Holy Spirit. God has promised us boldness. God has promised us victory over temptation. But those promises are activated by our obedience to the simple instructions that he gave us in his word. Okay? So we can have a level of confidence because God has promised victory. But we also have to recognize and own the responsibility he's given us so that those promises can be realized. Promises are real and the promises are there, and greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. And if we would simply step out to the battle, if we would simply open our mouths for Christ, we would find the boldness that we need to be a witness. If we would simply uh, deny the flesh and set aside our pride to step up to an opportunity that we've been given to do something for the Lord, whether it's sing a song or preach a message, or participate in a church service in some way, or take part in some ministry. If we would simply decide, I'm going to go and I'm going to do it, I don't feel like I'm qualified. I don't feel like I've got <clears throat> the talent that I... If we would simply step out in obedience, it is at that point that God would give us the strength we need to do what is right. I, <clears throat> I have a problem with my attitude. I've got a problem maybe in a relationship. I... I, I, I'm not feeling the way I ought to feel about this. If we could set aside our feelings and do what is right in the situation, God has a way of bringing our feelings in line with the truth if we're just simply willing to be obedient and submissive. Is that making sense? Okay? So if, 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 if we would set aside everything else to be obedient to God, then everything else would fall into place. This is the main point I'm trying to get at this morning. That's illustrated in the Old Testament. It was promised in the Old Testament. But there's a similar promise for us. And I pray that, God, there would be many illustrations and examples from our own lives of how that principle 
work its way out. Amen. Let's pray. Father, sure do thank you for your word, the instruction that it gives us, God, for not leaving us in the dark. Lord, everything you require of us, you wrote down in a book. Help us get in that book. Find out what it says. Lord, be obedient. Just yield ourselves to your service that you can get the honor and glory you deserve from us. Thank you, dear God, that we can have some level of confidence, uh, Lord, in this Christian life, that we, that we have been given the victory. Help us to walk in that victory.